Alrighty. Well, we had, um, as an eldership yesterday, we had a phenomenal day together. We, we met for about six hours um, at um, Jeanette and Rick Van B's place. So thank you to those guys for allowing us to have uh, your house. It was beautiful. It's by the, the beachfront there. And so we just were there to, to seek God, to hear from him, and to contend together and dialogue together on what God is saying. I love what Kirk said before he said, are you listening? You know, are we listening to what he has been saying and is saying and will say? Because the Bible says it's on the hearing of the word that faith is built. And it's vital that we just don't come week in, week out, or go to life groups or go to prayer meetings and just sit there and really just sit in this posture of just ho-hum, God would have us come, and we've looked at that. We looked at the priests coming with a posture of thanksgiving. They came with a posture of readiness. The Bible says that we are to be ready. So there's a sense of an activeness. There's an active positioning of oneself to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Jesus said that, didn't he? He said, if you have ears, not just these physical things, they're good, some have big, some have small, some have one, some have three, maybe. <laughs> not these things, some people have earrings in them. No, not these ears, spiritual ears. Can you hear what I'm really saying? He is the Spirit. He wants to speak through man. And so do we have ears to hear what he is saying? And so that requires us to come with a, a mindset. It requires us to come with a heart posture. Because not only does God want us to be a receiver of the word, he wants us to be a reproducer of the word. He wants us to go to others and say, Chris, come follow me as I follow the Christ. And together in this thing called discipleship, we will both be transformed by the Holy Spirit. We are both being prepared unto a day that that union will come together with the Christ. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking for a people. And part of our prayer yesterday was the urgency. This word urgency came out. And a ferocity of spirit to come into this urgency. And I believe we are living in urgent times. We always have. It's that funny dynamic, isn't it, of, you know, they lived in urgent times 2,000 years ago. They had a revelation of something and it shaped the way they lived in their now, even though Christ had not yet returned. And so the goal is not when he returns. The goal is why he is returning. And when we understand why he is returning, it starts creating a conviction in our spirit and we start to live a life that looks like he was returning yesterday, uh, tomorrow, because you have that revelation. Does that make sense? So it's never about when, it's always about the why. But yet we have people who completely focus on the when and they have no conviction and they're not really transforming, but they can give you all this information, but there's no life. Or you have all these people who are completely, that's never going to happen in my lifetime and we're asleep. And so there's an urgency of the times we are living in. And so I would ask us to listen today. I believe the Holy Spirit would say, listen to the words in which I want to say. And so come with me to Matthew 11, verses 28. This is a very well-read passage. Uh, it's preached on probably many times. I know I've spoken on it myself at times, but there's an element that I want us to focus on today, and that is going to be about rest. How many people are busy? How many people are busy but at rest? Do you know you can be the busiest person on planet Earth and be at complete rest? Do you know you can be a person who is sleeping all day long and not be at rest at all? So what is this rest thing? Because Jesus says these words, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I, I'm going to give you something. Anyone here been heavy 
sorry, weary and heavy laden at some point in your life. Anybody there now? Yeah. Yeah, as we go through life, Jesus said, then you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have people die on you. Lawrence is going through a trial right now. His beloved wife of 39 years has just passed away. He's going through. I'm sure his heart is weary and heavy laden. And it's part of life. It's part of the process. But Jesus says this. He says, if you come to me, I will exchange that for something. I'm going to take that and I'm going to give you something in return so you'd never maybe be in that posture again where you are weary and heavy laden because even though physically you may go through a trial and a tribulation and death again, there's been an exchange of something that's now in you so even though you go through that, you're still at a posture of rest. You still have a peace. You have a joy that overcomes that very thing. And people can't quite figure you out why when someone you love who's just passed away, you have this incredible joy. How does that work? I would be smashed, broken in a million pieces. But I look at you and I see joy, love and hope. That's not human. What's that in you? That's not a doing reality, that's a being posture. And Jesus is saying, I promise you. See, he gives you a promise there. How many people know God never lies? He cannot lie. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you rest when you come to me. You know you can come to him and you don't have to be weary and heavy laden. See, it's not about that, but that tends to be the most when we go to him. Sort of my experience a bit. When life gets tough, I turn. When it's not that tough, I go this way. This is the story of Israel. When life gets tough, (laughs) I go back. When it's all good, I turn away. God doesn't want that. He wants, when life is good or bad, I'm found in you. In you and me. And there's not this thing, but there is this. Now trials in life and certain might go like this. Yeah, so you might go on holiday to the Bahamas one week and it's awesome and good. The feeling's good. And the next week tragedy hits you and your family. But you're still doing that. Even though life goes up and down. That rest is still in and that rest when it's needed is called upon, comes out. And so instead of being someone who's there up on a roller coaster ride being led by emotion and feeling, hear me, I'm not talking about not experiencing the emotion and the feeling of pain and suffering, but there is something greater on the inside that actually overcomes or dominates that very thing. So you can cry and weep and spend time, but at the same time there's this other thing operating called rest of the Spirit, Christ in you, which actually keeps you straight and aligned and strong in Him. So Jesus says, if you come to me, I will give you that. Anybody want that? More of that? Amen. So here's the question. How is it that we become weary and heavy laden as followers of Jesus? And my answer is because we haven't entered into his rest or we're not in a measure of his rest that actually either dominates or overcomes that very weariness or burden. We're still to come into more of this rest. Jesus' mode of operation is that none of his followers should ever be weary or heavy laden in the sense of we keep struggling with the same thing or we keep toing and froing. We're to be growing constantly. So we're all on a journey. So hear me, we're going through some things. But as you 
as you, as one tribulation comes, there should be a, a, an overcoming, a reaction of growth, where actually as the next one comes, you continue to soar up. Does that make sense? So what I'm not saying is you're not going to go through trials, you're not going to go through things, you're not going to experience some things, but how we respond in those times is crucial. How you respond in times of a trial, how you respond in time of people coming at you, how you respond in persecution for your faith, whether that's from the church or whether that's from um, the world, how you respond when people gossip about you, how you respond when people slander you is an opportunity for growth. Isn't it? It's an opportunity to not survive that very thing, but to actually overcome it. We're not here to survive life. We're here to overcome the trials and tribulations that life brings, which brings hope to a world that's trying to survive through life. The church isn't surviving the end times. We're overcoming in it. This is a survivor mentality. we just got to hang on. It's like if I hang on, we'll get through this. No. No, that's completely wrong thinking. It's how do I embrace this so I overcome it, which brings hope and character. Yeah? What we need is rest if this is to be a reality. So what is this rest that he speaks of? And my aim today from my posture of revelation is to try the best I can and him speaking through me to explain what I have a conviction of, I believe he's revealed, what this rest is. And it's not rocket science. But I hope and I pray that our ears will hear the simplicity of the words I'm going to say. Because you might go, aye, aye, but is that aye changing you? We know a lot of stuff, but it's not necessarily changing us, which means we don't really know it. The only stuff you really know is the stuff that's changing you, that's feeding you. So that's scary, isn't it? Because you may have a whole lot of noise like that and only be changed like that, which means you don't really know that, but you think you do. Can you hear what I just said? <laughs> oh, Jesus spoke like that all the time, didn't he? Parables like this, it's like this. I'm not talking about bread lunch, God. What do you want? You know, you didn't bring the bread. I think he's talking about lunch. I'm not talking about lunch. I'm not talking about Subway. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the teaching of the Pharisees. Did anyone hear that? <laughs> I love him, name, But my aim today is to, the best I can, is to articulate what this rest is. And then over, I think in about two or three weeks time, is to give us an understanding of how we are to come before him if we want to receive more of it. Because it's massive. See, we must approach the throne of grace with a heart and a mind, posture and attitude if we actually want to receive what he promises. See, if you just come to him out of your own selfish motive and say, I want to be filled more with the Holy Spirit so I can conquer the world, well, guess what? You're probably not going to receive it. Or I want more of you, so I... See, God needs to see something in us. See, he actually searches the world to and fro for a heart that is fully or wholeheartedly his. And he blesses or supports that person or that people. So motive is incredibly important, but here it is. Oh, I thought I'd start by telling you what it's not. Okay, so, and I've sort of said a bit of this, but it's not, rest isn't this, it's not about an extended holiday in the Bahamas. Who would like an extended holiday or a holiday in the Bahamas right about now? <laughs> Who's been on holiday and doesn't feel like they've been on holiday? <laughs> we had this conversation last night over dinner, and it was about like, you know, one person was saying they really look forward to the holidays. It was like the goal when the holidays come and yet the holidays would come and go and I'm now looking forward to the next holidays. And this person was saying, while I actually maintain that posture of thought, I was moving further and further and further away from the actual reality of rest. 
You see, that posture was actually taking this person, nothing to do with physical rest, but they thought it was. If I just get more physical rest, you see, it's nothing to do with having an extra good night's sleep in. I've got kids, Greg. Man, it would be nice to sleep in till nine o'clock. Anyone got kids? You're up early, especially when they're babies, three or four times of the night. Man, would you sleep through the night? Anyone pray that prayer? In the name of Jesus, you will sleep. I command you to sleep so I can sleep, so I can get some rest. But how many people know you can be up all night, three times of the night, and be in complete rest and enjoy this little person that's up and down, up and down, up and down, because it's not determined on physical circumstance. What about the stress or the pressures of work? Stress of work messes up my rest, messes up my peace. It's chaotic. I'm under a deadline. If I don't get this thing done, the boss is on my back. I'm anxious. I'm worrying. I know the Bible tells me not to, but I am. I'm in this posture. I'm believing for this, but I just can't seem to overthrow this thing. It's dictating. I'm coming home mad. I'm coming home grumpy. I'm losing weight. My appetite's messed up because of this external pressure and I'm not at rest. Jesus was at complete rest in the garden. Do you realize that? So even though you paint this picture of him sweating blood as tears and he's saying, Father, your will be done, he was at rest. You go, how can that be? Because it is. Because it's void of an external thing. It's an internal reality. Hence, you can be running around. You can be the busiest person. You can be his kingdom is flowing in you and through you. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit in you. So your ability to do is tenfold to other people's and you are at complete rest and going, this is awesome. You know what I've experienced can happen sometimes? Is those very people tell you to slow down. You experienced that? They say this, you need to go on holiday and have a break. And you're like, oh no, this is it. You need to go on holiday and switch off. And you're going, that's like asking me not to breathe. I was like, how do you do that? This is what happens. Boom. See, it's not what we do, it's who we are. And when this relationship becomes who you are, and the life source of that relationship is what's feeding in you and through you, it's unlimited. Does that mean you still need physical sleep? Yeah, of course you do. Hear what I'm saying. But our ability to be able to lay one's life down, our ability to have a heart for the lost, to pray, to come, radically changes because he's given you something. He says, here's your reality. Here's my reality. Here's the reality I want you in. So come to me and we'll have an exchange. Do you want the latest iPhone 5 phone? Well, if you want that phone, there's an exchange. Apart from that, it's called stealing. <laughs> and we don't recommend it here. <laughs> but you've got to exchange something to receive something, isn't it? That's how this kingdom deal works. If you want to find life, what do you have to do? You've got to lose your life. We all want the life without the loss. But that is not the principle of anything. Apart from ourself, isn't it? You don't find that principle operating in the world. Well, the world's principles, hear what I'm saying, God, God is the creator of everything, not the culture, but the wisdom is all of God. So God says, there must be an exchange. There must be something that you actually lay down and pick up, and then don't go pick it up again. Because it's not about just bringing stuff, this is what we do, to the foot of the cross, 
and then we walk away again. It's about putting it at the cross and walking through the cross. You get on the other side of the cross, so you're never going back that way. The cross is defining you, so you're never picking that rubbish up again. Can you hear me? See, the cross defines the church. That's why we've got to preach the cross. Resurrected life. Not just the death. We've done that to death. <laughs> done that very well. Too well. It's death and resurrection. So what is this rest that's found in a resurrected life? It's him. Told you it wasn't rocket science. Simple. I'm afraid that as Eve was deceived in the garden, the church has been deceived from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to the Christ. You're comparing the fall of man to the deception or the, how the church has, this church in Corinthians has missed the simplicity. Yes, he says. He is our rest. So, the question then becomes, well, is he in you? Yes, he is. Okay. So, if he's in me, then if he's the rest, my natural conclusion would be, we are to be at rest. If he is the rest, and he lives in me, then my reality, not my theory, but my reality, is to be, I would be in a position of rest. Does that make sense? So, is he? To a measure, so is Christ in me to a measure where I am at rest? And that's the greatest challenge, I believe, for the church to come into. To actually come into the reality, not the theory, not the belief, the reality of the life that Christ wants us living in which is a posture in the Spirit. You might say, Greg, that is impossible. I would argue and say, read Scripture. It says, with God, all things are possible. Paul preached from the position I'm describing. Do you think the man could have survived of what he went through without this pouring in? Do you? Do you think the disciples were able to fulfill the purposes of God without God pouring himself into them? Because my Bible, I see men who did some things pre-Pentecost, but they were so up and down. And I see men after this event little bit of creative license because it's not in the word, but I don't see Jesus coming back to Peter after Acts and saying, do you love me? He could see it in his life. So this rest is him. It has nothing to do with anything physical and is found in anything of the physical but the more, listen to this, but the more we are in rest in him, the more it will affect every aspect of the physical. So i read that again. In essence, the rest, this rest has nothing to do with anything physical, and it is not found in anything physical. But the more we are in rest in him, the more it will affect every aspect of the physical. See, just like trying to find rest through going on holiday is like our relationship with him. Trying to have a relationship in the physical with Christ is like trying to find rest by going on holiday. We plaster this thing up. We put on our best makeup, our best clothes, and we plaster over 
this. In the hope that somehow we'll find this rest. We'll find him. We're fooling ourselves. It's insanity. It's called religion. But we keep doing it. And doing it. And it never works. It's just a counterfeit model. It's plastic in nature. It's inauthentic. And there's no life in it. But we keep doing it. And he's saying, come to me. Come to me broken. Come to me smashed in a million pieces. Come to me with a heart of absolute humility and brokenness. I, 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 I desire a contrite spirit. David got it because of his stubbornness and his iniquity and his sin with Bathsheba. He got it. He was humbled. And he comes into the throne of grace with this position and there's an outpouring. But we keep playing the game, thinking things are going to change, putting on our makeup. How are you? Fine. <laughs> I'm awesome. Give me a wow. Woo! Can I get an amen? Amen, brother. I've sucked if you already know what's happening. This is why discipleship is so important. If I could give us all a revelation, I wish I could. I wish I could give everyone a blue pill. Have a pill. Have a pill. I'd make fat. I'd make millions. I wouldn't need to write books. I'd have a pill. I'd market that. Of course, I'd use the money for ministry. Of course, I would. We keep doing the same thing, and it's about repenting, turning. God is all good with us being in this posture. He knows it anyway. He says, come to me. The Bible says, unless you be converted and become like a child, you'll never enter the kingdom. There's a whole lot of stuff that we're going to teach this year. Some of it is going to, you're going to feel like your head has been taken off, spun around, you'll be like, going to sound completely foreign to some things you've heard. We have to see through a, one, a Hebraic lens, and which is a God lens, not a Western lens trying to interpret Scripture through a Western lens, but through a God lens. So we understand how God sees. He just chose a culture and said, I'm going to bring my reality through this culture. Could have been American, could have been English, could have been New Zealand, could have been Maori, but he chose these people. We have to take our Greek heads off and put our Hebraic ones on, understand it through that lens. Have the mind of Christ, the spirit mind. So things have to shift. And this year you're going to hear things that go, really? I can't wait to mess myself up. <laughs> And take you with me. Where am I up to? So he is our rest. The question really is not what is this rest, but who is this rest? That's the real question, but I don't want to give that away on my title. So it's really who is this rest? Here's my thought. The measure of the rest that is operating in us is determined by the measure of Jesus that has actually been revealed in us. Read that out together. The measure of the rest that is operating in us is determined by the measure of Jesus that has actually been revealed in us. Galatians 1 verses 15 to 16, Paul said this, But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb, Man, there's so much in this that would mess us up, I think. He's set apart before he's born. Before he's even conceived. And called me through his grace. Was pleased to reveal his son. Does it say to me? In me. So that I might preach. 
It's massive revealing to me in me. This man, if we know anything about Paul, was the complete opposite to what he became. I'll tell you one thing. The guy didn't wake up one day and said, you know what, I think I'll be a Christian. That'd be a good idea. I've been killing them my whole life, but I think I'll become one. No. He had a boom encounter. He didn't hear, come follow me, but he responded when something happened. Is that you, Lord? He gets blinded. Can you imagine being this man who is just full of himself, who thinks he is the oracle of God, who has all this information, and suddenly you have been blinded and you can't see You don't know where you're going. You know what's happened. One minute you're going this way and boom. Imagine that. Flip it the other way. Imagine someone born blind who has no concept of what it looks like, colour people, all that, and then in a heartbeat, their eyes are opened. Is that radical, do you think? Radical way. So rewind it. He's the other way. Seeing you, thinking you, seeing, and then bang. Between that time and between getting to Ananias, he's blinded. I reckon there's a broke, breaking down process happening in the man's heart. Do you know how much humility is required to allow a Christian called Ananias, who he's probably never heard of before, and he is the man, to lay hands on him and say, the Holy Spirit has sent me to you, See, something I believe between here and here has gone on in the man's heart. There's been a humbling. Peter said like this, I deny you, I deny you, I deny you. And then he went out and wept bitterly. Then he's filled with the Spirit and Acts because he realizes I'm a nobody. I've come to the end of me to such a measure that it creates a humility and a hunger for him. And so the heart is moving towards now God because there's been a breaking, a brokenness has happened in our pride, in our will, in our minds, and it directs us. But look at the posture in which they're coming. And there's an outpouring. And that man says that Jesus was revealed in me. And then he goes and starts preaching. The more I have Christ revealed in me, the more I carry his posture, his positioning, his culture, his ability to operate as he does, which means I operate from this position of rest and am no longer weary or heavy laden. We are moving from one position to another. The more I have him in me, the more I flow authentically and automatically from his posture. The context for 11.28 is 11.25. So come with me to Matthew Matthew 11.25, come to me. It's just a little title. We've all got these little different titles in our Bibles. but Verse 25, at that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things, what things, the things that he's been mentioning before, from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. <laughs> right there, that's a bit of a humbling thing, isn't it? Wise, I've, I've, I've hidden them from the wise and the intelligent. But I've revealed them to kids. So you've got to hear this, kids, he's not talking about physical kids, okay? In the spirit, he's talking about people who are actually very mature in spirit. Humble. Yeah? So don't think, oh yeah, he's talking about little children physically. He's using the physical to paint a picture of the spiritual. Someone who acts as a child 
is very mature in spirit. They are humble, hungry, thirsty, single-minded faith. They don't doubt. So you take the attributes of what he's painting of the child that are those things. They take the parent's word at their word, don't they? Remember when I called Madeline an egg? I'm not an egg, Daddy, I'm a human being. (laughs) Man, did I feel about that big. I learned the power of words that day, more and more. And so he's saying that you think you're all that. If you think you're wise, if you think you're intelligent, if you think you've got it all down, if you think you've got this Christianity all figured out and there's no more to grow, you're an idiot. Let me put it in English, in Greg's language. You're a fool. He says, be like a child, an infant, because I'm going to reveal these things to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. He loves messing us up. He loves messing this whole worldly system up, doesn't it? Back to front, upside down. See, we think positional leadership is the key. We think if we get the position, we have established ourselves, we are the greatest leader. How many people know that is the lowest form of leadership? That is the bottom of the pile, and yet that's how the world system ranks. If you are the, if you make it to, I'm not sure what the highest rank in the army is, but I'll just throw something. Let's say sergeant major. If that was the highest thing, if everyone looks up and we have to obey the sergeant major, but it's already done through law. It's not done through love. You get the work and your boss, I am the CEO. Those people will obey me now. I have power and I will make them submit. That is world. That is not what he's talking about. That's not the kingdom. Relational leadership is the strongest position in the kingdom where you lead from a relation, where you lead from love. And you don't try and manipulate people's thoughts. You don't try and manipulate them into a decision. You pray and hope they'll make that call through influence. Radically different position. Let me just fix my mic here. It's my dodgy ears. <laughs> That's why I need tape. Use the other ear now, that's just as bad. <laughs> Need a healing. <laughs> Where am I now? I've lost it. Okay. Oh, man. Um, okay, verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So here's the start. None of us know him, do we? When you're born, you don't know God. Not the way he's talking about. You might think you do. You might think you're brought up and brought up in a loving home and they talk you about the... There is a knowing and then there is a knowing. See, there is a knowing about... I can't even explain what the knowing of is, but it's real. And when he reveals himself in you, For the first time, you actually know who he is. It's that that moves you. It's that that fills you. It's that reality that changes you. The other thing just puffs you up. It makes you think you're wise and intelligent, trust me. But you don't have the life to back what's coming out of your mouth. See, one's a position of humility. It's a humbling position to say, I don't know him. I start from this position of being in the kingdom of darkness. And unless he comes and rescues me, I'm stuffed. I can't get myself out of the kingdom of darkness. My nature toward God is evil. My heart towards God is evil. From every thought of my youth is evil. We go, no, it's not. I say, yes, it is, because that's what that book tells me. I don't define the truth. The book does. The word of God does. And unless he reveals himself because I was born in this kingdom, I have this kingdom in me, it's coming out of me, the only way I can think like him, love like him, act like him, is if he reveals himself by putting his son in me. Apart from that, I really don't know him. I can see you all now going, what is he talking about? See, there's a knowledge, there's a revelation, an apocalypse, an unveiling, an unraveling of Jesus that the church is to come into in the church. It's called being baptized in the Holy Spirit, where life is radically altered. Because one day, bang, and a constant bang, bang, and you are altered. 
You no longer say the things you used to say. You no longer hang with thoughts. You no longer have the passion. It's passion is the main thing. You have a love for Him that drives. It's a rest in that. You get a number of things. See, it's Him. He is everything on the revelation. My Father is the only one who knows. And my Son is the only one who knows the Father. And so the Son, who the Son chooses to reveal, and the Son says this, Now, with this context, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. The more you know me, you won't be weary. You won't be heavy laden. It's the context on the revelation. You lose weariness and all those things. Come to me. I want to reveal myself in you. And there'll be a promise and an outworking. But the question is, will we go? See, come to me. Come follow me. I'm going this way. Are we coming? This is Jesus to us. I'm walking. He's walking, isn't he? See, we have this perception that Jesus... When I look at his life, he didn't stop. Hear what I'm saying, okay? He he was constantly moving. It wasn't like, oh look, I'm sorry you're in this position and, and man, we gotta we gotta camp here forever because of you and just the way you are. No. He's like, come on, man. So he might sit for a bit, the cloud sat for a bit, then it got up and it moved. He was moving towards this act of, of this goal that he had, and we are to be too. Come to me. What does that even mean, Greg? It means letting go of you, everything, and coming to him with an empty vessel. I want to urge you to come to him. Stop trying to live your life for yourself. Stop trying to figure it all out. Stop trying to do both. There are people here to do trying to do both. You're trying to live for him and you're trying to live for you and you're going round the block and it never works. And you come for a little bit and you go away and you come for a bit because you know it's not working. Don't you? I'm talking. You know it's not working. But there's something bigger in you that knows you have to be in this place. But you can't, you've got to cut it. You've got to make a decision once. That's it. Today is the day that I let go and I come and I stay. I stay in you. So God, I admit today, I really might, might know you, don't know you, haven't got a clue. All I've done has been raised it up. I've heard the guy speak. But you know, I'm not different. So God, I come and I admit that by faith. And I say, Lord, I'm going to posture myself here and I'm just going to scream. Help! I'm so frustrated. I'm empty. I'm spent trying to do it. This was me 15 years ago. I found this place. It hurts. It's horrible. I never want to go back, but it was the best place I ever arrived at because it was the place that I died to such a measure that the heart screamed and it activated him. Because he says, I see the heart. I see the genuineness of the heart. I see the heart cry of the heart. And I see the repentantness of the heart. And I come and fill you with me. And that is for every one of us as his people. Because there aren't no favorites, but there are those who walk with favor because they find this place. Stop trying to live for yourselves. You're never going to find the life in it. It's dead. Whew, that is not in the notes. <laughs> he loves you guys. He loves me. He loves us to such a burden. And yet it breaks him when he sees a church, you know, like not engaging in such a way because it's, it's not, it hurts him because he loves us. It's not hurting him because of him. It's, he's hurt for us. 
He's like he's the ultimate parent. When you see your child going to do something that you know you can't change, and if you try and change it, it only makes the behaviour worse. Can you relate to what I'm saying? You can see it outworking, and you can't, and it breaks you not because of you, but because the love you have for this child. It's the same thing with God. I have, I died that my people would come into everything, but my people, you have a hard heart. You have a, 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 a iniquity in your heart. You are selfish. You want you more than you want me. So I have to pour me into you for you to receive for that to die. But you have to come broken. You have to come humble. If you come with this hardened heart, you'll want it for you. And I can't pour my spirit into you because then you will try and dictate and build your own kingdom. And we're doing that. It's called 10 ways to this and 50 ways to that and merchandise and all that stuff. This is how you build it. If God does not build his house, it is built in vain. It has to be built through an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I will not try and manipulate you. I will not try and coerce you. I will not try and, and, and control you. He says, that's my heart. So he sucked at discipleship. Why? Hear what I'm saying. His men denied him. His men betrayed him. His men were trying to figure out who was the greatest. And he did not try and manipulate that. He walked with them knowing that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon them when lives would be changed. If that was me, I'd be trying to manipulate them. I'd be trying to control them. Chris, you need to look like this. And I'm going to make you, pressure you, put the law on you to try. That's not Jesus. Jesus said, you have to, I want you to come into this authentic thing. I want you to come to me. I want you to lay that will down. And I will fill you with me. And so there will be a power and there will be a life in which you live your life every day. I increase so you decrease so you're able to actually live the life. And without it, it's impossible. You will continue to find yourself over here with your stuff and your self-interests. And over here, you'll be trying to find what your will is. It does not exist here. It exists when you come to me smashed, broken, and emptied of every single thing. That's the gospel. That we all prayed the prayer, but how many have realized that's what you prayed for and actually acknowledged? That's the message of the gospel. Death to self, alive in Christ, old nature gone, dead, resurrected life, no self left. And that is the journey of the life, isn't it? So once again, in theory, bang, in the waters, you're gone. You're gone. Paul said, the love of Christ controls me now. It is so much in me to lay my life down, to serve the brethren. He was so full of God because he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the power of God. Those 120 people got baptized. Have you been baptized? It's a big question. And are you continuing to be filled with Him so you know this rest is in you? The kingdom of God is in the church, in the hearts. It's not an external thing. It's in. And then His physical kingdom is coming. See, we get it mixed around the wrong way. It's a spiritual, inward transformation, the kingdom of God, now. Jesus came to bring his spiritual transformation, now. He will come and is coming with his physical kingdom. And it's all those who have allowed the kingdom of God to be established now that will participate and partake of and reign with him here. The question is, are we... And he says, I've given you everything you need, my spirit and my truth and one another to walk in discipleship, to walk the process out that I started knowing that the spirit's going to come. See, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them beforehand. They had it afterwards. We've got it now. There is no excuse. The Holy Spirit, a time is coming. It has now come. I'm here and it's available. The question is, do we want it to be available enough? Will we come to him 
and let him define us. And for all those who say yes and amen, and you may have to say yes and amen more times. You probably will. I have. Yes and amen today. Yes and amen. But I'm moving towards, I've seen, and I'm moving towards the prize. I'm running towards the prize. I define my life by the prize. That stuff is just sin of the past. That stuff is just bondage. That stuff wants to hold me back. If you choose to give me a wife, if you choose to give me kids, if you choose to give me a sporting career, if you choose to give me a business, that's all good. But I'm being defined by that. So then I'll hold that lightly. So whether you want it back or not, it's irrelevant. Do you know what he was doing with Isaac? He was saying this, do you love me? Do you love me more than you love this boy? I'm going to put you to the test. See, he got more back when he made that call. He He didn't lose Isaac. He didn't lose his riches. He got more. It was never about the boy. It was about his heart. Do you love this promise that you've been waiting for for 25 years more than me? We're about to find out right now. And the Bible says Abraham had faith. He knew that even if God killed him, he'd raise him up. See, you're running strong. We're trying to get these things. If it's the will of God, let it go. He may give it back to you. But you will never find it while you're trying to hang on to it. We all must go through an Isaac Abraham moment in our lives that defines us. It sets us on a course. Greatest thing that ever happened to me was that moment 15 years ago. Man, I was in a million pieces all over the floor. It was the best place to be. I'm not lying. It was the best place. Hear me. I don't want to go back there. But it was the best place. So, Father, I thank you, Lord. Let's get um, LJ and the guys up. I thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you that you have so much for us. But Lord, we must come repentant. We must come broken. We must come with faith. We must come into the throne room of grace, come to you with a posture of just this childlikeness, taking you at your word, not second guessing, not doubting, not questioning to a measure. Lord, you love us to contend with you, but at the start, Lord, we, we, we do that way too early. This year, guys, it's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be awesome. Spirit's going to move in you as we seek Him as a body and as individuals so important that we're doing both it's not one or the other it's both and more because what we bring into here as I said creates the climate God is building a community of one it's a call to oneness and there is no place for self in oneness oneness of him scripture clearly teaches that you've got to let go of you and serve him and others if you truly want to experience what he's building on the earth he's built it they are waiting for us he is building it now and will continue to until the day he calls her up he will use the tribulation to define this right so the challenge is never to run away from tribulation it's to run into it think of it like this did he run away from you every time you've messed up every time you've said one thing and done the opposite every time you've found in a place you shouldn't be did he ever run away from you you know what if he'd run away from me there's no way I'd be standing here today but he didn't he ran to me And that's his expectation. He says, the more you know me, you have to run to the thing I love. You have to lay your life down to see it established. 
Are you prepared to die for someone you don't know who doesn't know Christ yet? Because of the love of the Father that's in you? Are we prepared as a community to lay our lives down for one another, people we do know, because of the love of the Father, the rest that's in us? So he is building this here in other communities and countries. This is the season the church is in with God. It's a preparation. It's a readiness. We've always should have been in it. Funny tension, but it's now. There's an urgency. I can't stress this enough. There is such an urgency to let go of the dreams and the desires that you have that he hasn't yet defined. Or they're probably not even maybe. There might be there maybe. It's not the point. Just let it go. There's an urgency. I love this song. He won't relent until he has it all. He's such a gentleman. He comes in such love and grace. But at the same time, you know, Jesus came and he said, I've come to divide families. I've come to set them apart. Don't think I've I've come to do this. I've come to do that. So we've got to walk in the tension of this Jesus that is loving and, and, that, and that's love what I just said is love but so often we've painted this Jesus as this like sappy Jesus instead of the king of kings as a servant he was a king don't mistake a servant for not a king and don't mistake a king for a servant so there are both a truth and we need to bring those truths into the middle and find that posture between a long suffering and a disciplining king I just love what God's doing and the freedom that he's bringing me into and us into and how um, delightful it is to walk in that freedom when we've abandoned ourselves to him. I just um, want to encourage those of us who are listening to what Greg's saying but saying um, it's just a bit too hard or there's, it's too much. The words are too hard and it's too much. And maybe some of us are saying, uh, actually, I'm not that bad. <laughs> I'm not that bad. And this is too hard. And uh, it's okay for some people. But really, perhaps I don't belong in this group because it's I've got it okay over here and I'll settle for this. I just want to say I've lived my, most of my Christian life like that. And there's just so much more. And so even today, if you feel that it is too hard and you don't understand what's been taught today, that you just dare to open your heart a little bit, just a little bit, to hear what God's saying to you. Don't try to eat the whole elephant. Take a little nibble. God is so gracious. He is so loving. And He is so hungry for us. For me, the true freedom in living in Him is knowing that He abides with me. And that's my prayer for you. That you know, truly know, what it is to live your life Here, listen here. Bless you. Let's just all stand. Father God, awesome, mighty Saviour, precious, beautiful, Holy Spirit, Father God, would you grace us with you? Would you grace us with you? Father, we are nothing without you. We are vapor in the wind without you. And yet with you, we're, we're whole. Father, your grace, would you pour it upon us?
And would you help us to dare, to dare, to open our hearts and our minds to the truth and the greatness of you and the awesome, awesome thing that you are calling us into. Holy Spirit, there is nothing, nothing more than you.